Well, good morning. You know, Daniel was really proud of that joke, raising the granola bar. So if you could, if you could encourage him on that, tell him you thought it was really funny, and you didn't think it was, uh, he'd, he'd really, he just kind of shot his mental capacity on that one. So, hey, every morning, almost every morning, I get up, and I'm kind of tired, and I go to the gym. And sometimes I wonder, why, why do I do this? Well, in May and June, I begin to have, oh, sciatic pain. Have you ever had that where it goes down your leg and it would wake me up at night? And I was talking and I was reading and somebody said, try walking uphill. And, and that has worked for the last two months. And so I'm, I'm good. But I say that to say in the morning when I think, why should I go to the gym? I got a reason now. I, I, I want to avoid that. And so I get on my little treadmill and I, and I walk up. Instead of that, I walk up the, the, the incline. Sometimes church can feel like going to the gym. I've just done it. Why do I go? Why do I get up every Sunday and do that? But we're going to talk about that this morning. So if you've got a, a Bible, if you turn that to Matthew 16... We're going to start in verse 13, and we'll go through verse 20. We're going to wrestle with this question as we do, why, why attend church? Why, why, why be regular at church? Now, as Cody mentioned on the highlights, we're taking a pause in our Genesis series, and we're going through our four steps, and we talk about attend, um, and then the next one is connect, grow, and engage. And our hope is that in coming to the service, this is not the end, this is not the only thing, but it's a beginning. It's a way to come in, and it's a way to find out about North Point, and it's a way, but if, if, if that's all it is, attend, uh, kind of miss the point. Uh, our hope is that you would connect with some people, that you begin to build a relationship. Um, Christ made it very clear that spiritual growth uh, happens best in community. Then as you're, you're growing, you're, as you're connecting, you find a place to grow, um, and then as you grow, there's a desire to reach out to others and to include others in this process. So we'll, we'll talk about that as, as we go through. But as, as we turn to our passage, um, Jesus is with his disciples, and he asks them this question. Now, now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? So Jesus has been at this a while, he's been teaching, he's been doing miracles, and he's saying, you know what, what's the buzz out there? What are, what are they saying about me? And, and, the, and the disciples answer, and, and they say this, uh, and some say uh, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So, so the people of Jesus' day have him pegged, this guy's from God, and he's got something to say. History is full, is replete with people who say, you know, I have a message from God, and, and I've heard from God, and, and, and God has spoken to me. But Jesus is more than a prophet. I don't think Jesus is concerned with the answer to that question you put to the disciples. What do the other people think of me? I, I think he's setting up this next question. And, and, and he asks them this then. He said to them, but who do you, who do you say that I am? You know, as you come on a Sunday morning, 
I think that question is one we'll hope you, we hope you'll wrestle with. And every person needs to answer, who do you say that Jesus is? Because Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That separates Jesus from every other religious person in history. Hey, lots of people go, you know, I had a message from God last night, and here's what he said. How do you verify that? But that's not what Jesus said. He said, I'm the Son of God, and to prove it, I will go to a cross, and I will be put in a grave that, that you marked, and, and you know where it is. It, it's, it's verifiable, and a stone will be rolled over, and a, a, a Roman guard will be put in front of it, and I will go in the cross on, in the grave on Friday afternoon, and I will rise again from the grave on Sunday and be alive forevermore. That makes Jesus categorically different. And he has a unique authority. He has a unique ability to direct our lives. We come in every Sunday and we open this word because we believe it's the word of God. Here's why. Because when Jesus was on earth, who had the authority of God, he gave authority of the Old Testament scriptures, which were in the canon at the time, and he commissioned his disciples to write the New Testament. That's ultimately why, because the person with authority said, this is my word. So again, I put the question to you, and this is a question we want to put to you every Sunday. Who do you say that Jesus is? Why does that matter? Does it just get me into heaven? Well, yeah, it, it, it's certainly that. But I think it has huge implications for us today. I read anxiety is, is uh, prevalent. It's, it's pandemic. And people are concerned about what's going on. And what are other people thinking? And what about, what about, what about? Well, what if you really understood that the Son of God loved you enough to die for you he accepts you as you are, and He has your circumstances under control. What if you really take that to heart? I think it might be the change, the way you look at life and, and your need for people's acceptance and your need to be successful in the job and your need for your kids to be successful because you're affirmed by the creator of the world who says, if you were the only person on earth, I would, I would have died for you. This decision on who Jesus is, it matters. And it ought to be affecting every day of our lives. And so we're wrestling with this question, why, why attend? Why, man? I mean, a lot of things, you're, you're busy. We're all, we all, we're all busy, so busy, so busy. Why attend church on Sunday morning? Here's, here's what I'd say. Uh, we're, church service, we're, we're, speaking, we're seeking to spark, to, to uh, rally, to bring to life this truth that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. That has implications or ought to have implications for every day, every way in which you live your life. Now, Jesus has an interesting response to, to Peter's comment in verse 7. He says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my Father who is in heaven. Peter, you are blessed. You are favored 
to have understood this truth that I'm so much more than a prophet. I'm the son of God. I am unique above every person ever born of a woman in the history of humankind. And, and, and you have been enabled by God and, and, and my Father to be able to understand this. God, in sending Jesus to take on flesh, has come down to our level because he desires a relationship with us. In 1997, Hope and I went to San Jose, Costa Rica as missionaries to, to first learn Spanish. And so we in, um, went to the institute and we lived with a Costa Rican family. And where I really learned to speak Spanish was my neighbor right across the street. At least five times a day, I would walk. He had an in-home business and I would walk over to his house and, and we would spend two hours speaking Spanish. It was about a month in and we're having a nice conversation going along. And I think, yeah, I, I, I'm coming along here. And he takes a phone call from a client, and he says, Disculpame, Andres. He's going to pick up the phone, and he gets the phone, and he starts speaking, and this is how it sounds to me. I don't understand a thing he's saying. And at that point, I realized we're having a conversation in Spanish because he has come down to my level. And he is speaking very slowly and clearly so I can understand. He brought it down. Well, that's what God has done in sending Jesus Christ. He's brought himself to us. Don't pass on that, please. That has implications for you and for your life. You know, some of you, I know, you read the Scripture and you reflect on it, and, and some of you even memorize it. If you memorize in Scripture, I, I would suggest um, verses 15 through 17. It's good. If, if you can run that through your mind this week, what do you say? That? I say that you're the Jesus, the Son of God, and you're blessed. Think about that. Consider that. Memorize. Ponder that. That's, that's a truth that will change your life every day in every way. Then Jesus makes a comment about Peter's confession in verse 18. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I'm going to build my church on this confession. And the scholars, man, they spill a bunch of ink saying, what is it? Is it on, upon this rock? He says, is, is that Peter? Is that the rock, or is it the confession? Because Peter in Greek means rock, and there's a word play there. Or is it the confession that Jesus got in? And you got scholars who will write for this and for that. I think it's both. I think Jesus was intentionally vague because Peter was the leader of the first century church. But it's on this confession that he will build the church. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. I think it's important we define church. Church is not this building, okay? This is a place where the church meets. We might, hey, I'll meet you at the church. We're, no, this is a church building. The church is the called out of, of the body of people who have been redeemed by Christ. And, and Jesus said, you ought to come together regularly. Those of you who have been called out because you've got a different value system, you've got a different way of looking at life, you've got a different master, you ought to come together to share this value. 
And you ought to build your life around it. You ought to schedule for this. You ought to plan for this because it matters. Back in the fall of 1978, that's 41 years ago for you who are doing the math, I started as a freshman at Texas A&M. It was either the first or second week on campus. Uh, there were signs up in certain parking lots. Students, Thursday, you've got to be out of here by 6 or you'll be towed. Because there was a home football game that weekend. And on Friday, the RVs started rolling in. And folks started coming from, from all over. And Texas is a big state. Watch this game. And, and I soon came to lie, realize people ordered their life around this. Every time Texas A&M had a game, they were there. And you say, well, were the Aggies really good? No, we, we were really quite average. I think the best we were there when I was a student was seven and four. So why'd they come back? Because way back in the day, they'd had a great experience at Texas A&M. And they were coming back to that place, and they were coming back to that people, and they were coming back to that world, and, and they wouldn't miss it. And they ordered their life around that. And they got together with other Aggies, and they reminisced about the way it were. And you know I'm going where I'm going with that. People built weekends around their experience at Texas A&M to experience the university. For the Aggie spirit. How much more for the Spirit of God? Would we come together and would we order to do what? Not to celebrate the football team, not to celebrate the university, to celebrate our Savior. Yes, attend is a first step, and it's, it's a next step to connect. And Daniel will talk about that next week, being connected by the gospel to display the gospel. But that first step, it's, it's important to come together and stimulate this, this Jesus and to celebrate Him. If some people will, and they do this all, and they ain't not the only place that does it. People order their life around a football team. How much more around a Savior? Verse 19, then, uh, Jesus speaks that, that we, his followers, give a, a special authority. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now, there's, Roman Catholics look at Peter as the first in a succession of popes. We, we don't agree. We respectfully disagree with that. Uh, Peter was very fallible. <laughs> if you go three verses later in this passage, uh, Jesus will say, get behind me, Satan. He'll deny Jesus when he said he'd stand with him at his trial. Later, he'll be called out by the apostle Paul after Jesus resurrects for being hypocritical. But Peter, along with us, does have the power to speak for God and, and to tell people, in the name of Jesus, you can be free. We have a special message, a special uniqueness. The thing I can compare to it is imagine a judge declaring a prisoner a mistrial and that prisoner's free. The sheriff then goes with the authority of God and unlocks the cell. And what a privilege that is. Now, he's not going in his own authority. But he's the one that processes the thing and said, you are now free to go. We have that privilege to tell people, you're free from your sin. You're free from being estranged from God. Jesus has died for your rebellion against God to restore you with Him. We have that special privilege. And on Sunday mornings, we share that message every Sunday in the hopes that it might connect with somebody. And that's worth celebrating. Uh, three weeks from now, we're going to do a baptism service. And these people are not being baptized for salvation, but they're being baptized because they have received salvation. And they're showing an outward act 
of an inward reality. But if you're a person who's come to Christ and never been baptized, I ask you to consider signing up, being baptized. We'd love to walk with you in that process of, of making a special recommendation, special presentation of what God's done in my life through baptism. But do we come with an expectation that, that God might do something today? Let me go back to my days at AM. It was my sophomore year. We were uh, five and five. You only played 11 games. There would be no bowl game for the Aggies that year. There was the proliferation of bowls. This was before it is. So that would be your definition of an average team, five and five. But our last game, it was against our rival, the University of Texas, and they were nine and one. And if they won, they would go to the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, and if they lost, they would go to the Sun Bowl in El Paso. And we thought, man, we'd love to send them to El Paso. That just seems like a lousy place to be in place of New Orleans. So the Aggies are jacked up. In those days, it was a, a base, you got tickets. The seniors could pick as a, on Monday, the juniors, and, and, and the sophomores and the freshmen picked on Thursday, and, and your, your seating placement was based on that. So the freshmen ended up, it was a horseshoe. You ended up way back in the horseshoe, and then you worked your way around, and as a senior, you got to about the 40-yard line. But in this game, the tickets were so in demand. As a sophomore, I couldn't even get in the bowl. They had some temporary seating down here in the south end zone on a, on a bleacher. So I got one of those seats. I could see out to about the 15-yard line. That's what I could see. And the freshmen, they had to go in G. Raleigh White Coliseum. There was no room for them. But I wouldn't have missed that game. You know, maybe the great Aggie in the sky was going to come down and, and we were going to do something. And, and, and in fact, we won that game. And I remember the, the, the touchdown happened at the other end. So I, I have no, and remember, this is before the big Jumbotron score, scoreboard. So I have no idea what's going on. But people start cheering. So I figure that's the majority's there. So woohoo! I start cheering too. And we scored and we won and we rushed the field. And it was so exciting. Because don't you know, we went six and five and we made Texas go to El Paso instead of New Orleans. That was worth living. No class on Monday. I mean, that was worth celebrating. Do we come with that kind of expectation on Sunday that God might liberate somebody or just, I don't know, maybe just got to go? No, man, the God of the universe who is restoring people, redeeming people, calling them to himself is at work here. Do we come with that kind of expectation? Now, I know many of you have come to church for a long time, and you come every Sunday, and I want to say thank you. And the truth be told, you know, Andy, you're a fine preacher and stuff, but yeah, I mean, you've heard this stuff before. I mean, and the songs are good, but I mean, they're just, so, so why come? I would say come for other people. There's other people who are newer, who are unsure about what to do with this. And this corporate gathering is something Jesus designed. It's something where he works, but it's intimidating to walk into it. I came to faith as a freshman in college and kind of got out of being connected to Christian people. And my, my sophomore year, I met a guy in the cafeteria. And he said, hey, there's this group called Campus Crusade. Uh, it's a bunch of college students who get together. Would you go? And I thought, well, if you'll 
if you'll go with me, I'll go. I don't think I'll go on my own. That's a little scary, but, but I'll go. Well, and I did, and, and, and through him, I got to know other people, and I became comfortable there. And then as a junior, there were a bunch of these Campus Crusade students who say, hey, we like this church. Would you go? Well, yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with you. If you go with me, I don't have to walk in by myself. I'll go. See, it's a little intimidating if you've never been to walk in for the first time, and what are these church people doing? What are they going to cost me? What are they going to do? It? But if, if I know somebody, so, so would you come to church for other people. Um, a few weeks back, one of you invited a guy who was a retired pastor. So I had a call Monday, call me. He said, Andy, I'm going to another church here in town, and, but I want to tell you, you guys got a great thing going, it's, and our church he's going to isn't doing well, and what do you do, what do you this, what do you that? And it's just super complimentary. But he says, as a pastor, I, I've got to tell you that the guy who brought me, he was busy serving, and so my wife and I were standing there, and we stood there alone. And you got great things going, but just, just so you know, and, and that, I, I hurt to hear that. There's people that come for the first time, and they don't want a new best friend, but, but they'd like to be recognized. Could you come just for other people, that we could have more people who attend, and eventually more people who connect? And more people who grow and more people who engage. We need you. Maybe you don't need it, but we need you to make the body work. Can you be one of those who's looking for others? Uh, verse 20, Jesus speaks an interesting word. He said, then he warned the disciples so that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Why? Because there were misconceptions about what the Christ would do. They were looking for liberation from Rome. And, and at different points in time, that people wanted to make Jesus king. So he said, Shh, keep it low until I die and I resurrect and it will be, all become clear. And my point to you is there are people with misconceptions about Jesus at your workplace and in your neighborhood. And they think Jesus is this, he's a dictator, he's that. He said, would you be the kind of person that is there to clear those up? Jesus isn't who you think he is. Let me tell you my experience of Jesus. It's hard to argue with your experience. That they might be consider again the person of Christ as their Savior. You want to attend, connect, grow, and engage. But for many people, that, that starts with attending, and attending's a hard step. This summer, I had a chance to get to know a couple well. We, we actually spent an evening with them. And they're here because somebody invited them. She had been coming to mom to mom. You'll hear her story. And, uh, and Marge said, why don't you start coming to church? Now, now this is a family that they, have, they, they would have lots of maybe legitimate reasons. They got four kids who are little. I mean, I think it's about maybe second or third grade down to about six to nine months or so, roughly. Um, the husband has his own business. Uh, and they live pretty far north from here. So they, if anybody could play the distance card, they, they, they could play the distance card. But I, I want you to hear from her. Um, they've come, and, and, and they're different because of it. But it started because somebody said, would you consider coming to church? Could you, Harrison, show that video? I started coming to Mom to Mom um, 
a friend six years ago from Wahoo had invited me to North Point uh, to mom to mom and she had been invited by another friend uh, and so I started coming and um, immediately fell in love with North Point and mom to mom I grew up um, watching my mom you know read her Bible and going to church when it was um, convenient for us uh, and I and I knew about God and Jesus, and I knew what was right, Andy, but I never took my um, faith serious. So Marge and I had a conversation about starting to come to church more regularly um, last fall, and I had just um, gave birth to our fourth child, and, and you know, you're tired, and you're busy, and, and, and I was giving her all these um, things why we weren't coming to church regularly. And Marge said, well, Courtney, you know, um, it really, if you want to be a faith-based family and, and, and you want to be closer to the Lord and you want to teach your children those things, you've got to lead by example. What's most important on a Sunday morning? Is it sleeping in? Is it um, being at home with family? Or is it being at church? And um, I knew right then that, that I wanted more for my kids than I had for myself. And so um, my husband and I had a big conversation. and. And, and he knows and I know that that's where we need to be on a Sunday morning. The impact of coming to church more regularly this past year has been um, just uh, life-changing, truly. Um, uh, the Holy Spirit's convicted us to lead our life a lot differently than we um, maybe than we were prior to, to going to church regularly. Uh, we've made different life choices, uh, friend choices, um, just Every choice really has been driven differently, but that's because God's more present in our lives and we're putting Him first. And I would just say um, it's just really fun to see our kids uh, learning about God too at their level. And it's just, it's really a beautiful thing. When it comes to inviting other people to North Point, I, I, I would just tell everyone that's listening, um, you never know uh, who needs it and when they need it or why um, at their point in their lives. It only takes once to really click like, wow, this seems pretty cool. I, I wanna be a part of this. Isn't that great? But a, but a great reminder. I mean, you don't know what's going on in people's lives. And so could we take the initiative to, to invite people? And again, it, it doesn't end with attend, it begins with attend. And our hope is as people attend, they feel comfortable and they make a connection here or there. Maybe it's over coffee, it's lunch, I, I don't know. And then, and that, that then begins the people grow and, uh, and finally begin engaging others as, uh, as they grow. They, they, they want to tell other people about this. So I, I pray that we would be involved in, in these steps, that, that we might be a church that has a bigger footprint for God, a bigger uh, impact for God, bigger influence for Him because of the way He's touching lives through us. Uh, let me pray, and I'll invite our worship team to come up. So, Lord, um, we're reminded by even what Courtney had to say that um, why not take the uh, initiative just, just to invite. Uh, God can do with that what He wants, will or won't. But thanks that um, You've given us this message, and it's, it's a message to liberate people, to, to free them from their sin. Not that we have the power to do that, but, but you do, and, and you've called us to be your ambassador. You've called us to be your emissary, and I pray we take that seriously. Lord, uh, more than anything, I, I, as a local expression of your worldwide church, I pray we grow. I pray other churches in this town would grow, and their influence for you would expand, that, that uh, 
you would have a greater impact in our, our city and our state and, yeah, even our world. And, Lord Jesus, uh, we need you. We need you desperately. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.